You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, welcome to Utabia. Stephen Chicken joined down the line as usual by Opta's David Hartrick. How are you doing, Dave? Not bad at all. How are you, matey? Good, thank you. Yeah, enjoying most of this week off. So uh, if you don't see my byline quite so much this week, that'll be why. But we didn't want to let the podcast listeners down by not doing a podcast despite a nil nil and despite the fact the game was on friday night there was a lot of uh, encouragement to be taken from that performance wasn't there dave yeah i think there's a there's a lot of things to talk about the new pragmatic approach yaya sanogo i thought vallejo's performances were talking point again i think the the three-man defense is worth talking about i think aaron rose worth talking about again so yeah there, there are nil nils and there are nil nils and this was certainly a nil nil <laughs> yeah it was i mean they had chances to win it later on. most notably they had the Yaya Snogo penalty third penalty in a row this season three different takers none of them have hit the target uh, that's a bit frustrating yeah I think I was quite impressed that Sonogo actually had the you know actually wanted it and, and decided to take it but it's it's just weird at this point to miss three in a row three different players it's four just in quite... fact if you go back to last season yeah I, do you know I was just I was genuinely just thinking about that I bet it's four was it Grant missed the yeah, last one yeah it, it was the the Birmingham game towards the end of last yeah. season in July he'd scored one earlier that game and then they got another and he took it again and it was saved so yeah remember it Um, yeah that was the 3-0 wasn't it yeah 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 so so <laughs> they need to be practicing penalties and someone needs to become dedicated penalty taker i i might look at vallejo for that you know because he is he, he's very composed on the ball and i just think he might be a natural option there because campbell looked anxious when he took his penalty he blazed did he blaze his against the bar he did yeah against millwall and sonogo is not a penalty taker by trade but wanted it because he wanted to score on his debut and i have absolutely zero problem with that at all he's taken them for Toulouse he's, he's taken three in his career one of which was at the under 20s World Cup from what I believe for France and the other and he scored he's taken two and scored two for Toulouse um, mm. but but still it, it's not a long career of, of taking penalties and sticking them away is it and Janino Bakuna is Janino Bakuna so I'm not sure he should be on him either to be honest with you so I, I might be looking at Vallejo to see what he's like on the training ground at him to be honest but there you go there you go uh, there were other notable misses as well. The, the Pippa one, he, he went clean through on, gro- on goal. It was a brilliant through ball by Lewis O'Brien to, to put Pippa in. And I thought Pippa had had a, a, a not a great game, to be honest, up until that point. And he got the one on one. And I think he was a bit unlucky not to score. He, he tried to dink it over the keeper. And there's maybe an argument if he'd got a little bit more. Well, it, not even an argument. If he had got a bit more height on that dink, then it would have got it past the keeper. But when you're going at that speed you've got to do the finish you do and it nearly got the nearly got past the keeper. I don't think Dylan Phillips knew too much about it in the end, did he? No, no. I I don't know if he could have taken I don't know if he took one touch too many there, to be honest. Could have I, come I don't inside. know if he could have Yeah. Um but it, I don't know. 
it's a it's very very difficult to criticize that one because it was an incredible arm from the keeper really the the re- the reactions on him there was outstanding the Campbell one is slightly different because I think uh, I think six times out of ten Campbell scores that and gets over the ball and I think it's I think it's a classic case of he had a, a lot more time than he actually realised, and I yeah. think he, that if he'd have known he had more time, he might have. There might have been other options on the table for him. I mean, you, you and Matt after the game when we were talking thought maybe even take a touch there. I'm not sure he had that much time, but he certainly. I don't know. It was almost like he was expecting the flag, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, he does tend to dive at shots like that. I've noticed when they come in bouncing on the half volley, and he did score that scissor kick. Um, last year yeah so he he can score them but he yeah he does tend to sort of leave his feet for them your contention was and you as a centre forward was just get over the ball and and yeah just get over the ball yeah just just keep it down yeah keep it down and that's however you're getting to that ball that's your priority when it's coming off the bounce but it was it, it it wasn't a great miss Really, no. uh, I know we're we're perhaps more forgiving of Fraser Campbell than some people, but yeah, that was not not a great miss. But the, the Cardiff hit the bar in the first half with a great volley over the keeper that got called offside when he was a foot onside. So uh, I don't know, maybe these things even out to some degree. I don't know. Yeah, I mean the XG on on Campbell's shot was was fit, made it an exact fifty fifty basically, and we were talking about this at the weekend. End. And I think some people would say that's not a 50-50 chance. He's got to score that more often than not. But I think mm. I think that is a a circumstance where people overestimate how easy it is to score from certain positions. Uh, it's I don't know. It's interesting. But I, I thought it was worth noting. It, it wasn't a, you know, an 80% probability chance that you would expect him to miss it half the time. But I think the difference there is you probably expect him to at least hit the target, um, even yeah, if it's, even if thing, it's saved. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a bad miss. They, they had chances to win it. They they didn't take them. And it was overall an encouraging performance. It ended nil-nil. I think you would have absolutely taken nil-nil before the game, wouldn't you, Dave? I wouldn't have done. Yeah, I... Th- I... By hook or by crook, they really needed to get something out of that game because they they've not got a great run coming up. They still haven't got they still haven't got what I, I sort of class as, as momentum really. I know they've just they've not lost the last two, the one one draw and the nil nil, but they need to find a little bit of momentum from somewhere, and that at least felt like a stepping stone. It felt like a platform, but I mean. <sighs> For me, since I've watched the game twice, I watched it. Obviously, I was in ground for the game, and then I watched it back. And they're still they there was a lot they got away with. They a couple of times they only had one man on the back post and a better cross, or thankfully a, an intervention from Keo or Zar got there first, who were who were both really good on the night. They still Cardiff had a man on the corner of the box nearly every single time, um, which is something you know that wasn't by accident. That's something something we've pointed out before as well Steve mm-hmm. and that man was never picked up not once um so they they've still got these areas that sides are going to catch them clean on they I think the the difference for me perhaps on on Friday night was 
that back three was really held really firm. You know, there yeah. seemed to be a real collective between them. You shall not pass. You pointed in various pieces to the the amount of aerial uh, the amount of aerials they won, which was I think higher than at any point in the season. Was it seven out of nine in the penalty area? You pointed to something like that. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, they won seven out of nine in the penalty box. I think it was they'd won six of eleven in the reverse fixture, and it's worth saying as well. You know, Cardiff have won. If you look at their aerial stats, their headed goal stats, all of these things, just anything to do with the ball in the air, they are miles above the rest of the division. They are, yeah. dare I say it, head and shoulders above them. Um, and uh, and so for Town to stand up to that, I think was was quite impressive. They still actually, I think they 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 uh, Cardiff still ended up winning more duels. But when you look at the other end of those tables for winning aerial duels, Town are at the very other end. So. For them to, yeah. to put in that effort, I mean, I think when I looked at it, every single player, town player, except Ryan Schofield and Lewis O'Brien, won at least two aerial battles in the game, um, mm. which is, is unusual. You're normally looking at sort of five or six players are getting ahead on the ball. Every single man for town did a, did a job in the air, and that was so crucial to keeping that clean sheet. Yeah, they won, th- they won 34 aerials in the game. Cardiff won 37, and that shows you how much of a weapon it is for Cardiff, because that is... That is a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that is a lot in ninety minutes. And Town made thirty-four clearances in the game, which is is you know one every three minutes. But that also speaks to the the collective "you shall not pass" that they managed to find on on Friday night. So I thought it was there. <sighs> It's it's funny looking at social media, and I know social media is not where common sense lives. But there's a there's a sort of thing with town at the moment where you have to be in insanely pro or insanely anti, mm-hmm. and there there's doesn't seem to be much of a grey area in between the two anymore. And I think I think this game is a grey area because I think you can you can say well yeah it was all right it's a stepping stone hopefully the next performance is a is a notch up from here because if it is then they should get three points you know in the next couple of weeks no problem whatsoever and they've got QPR away which they've got an okay record there and I think QPR are a very strange side they 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 should be much better than they are but they're not they keep losing games in silly ways and then you got the Wednesday game after that yeah just just keep going in this direction but we probably need to talk about that direction don't we yeah I mean it's we meant we noted this change of style in our last podcast and we sort of compared and contrasted the Preston game where it was sort of more of the same and and inevitably losing as a result to the Birmingham game where they changed the style and it wasn't a great performance but at least it was something different and it felt a bit more like they got something tangible out of this I think just because of of Cardiff's high league position but at the same time as you say it's also disappointing when you've when you've had those chances three good chances late on and you've not put any of them away as Carlos Gorbrand said after the game it's it's not about what you what you deserve it's about what you get and I think that's especially true at this stage of the season but as you've sort of led on to there, I think the the change of approach does suit Town, or at least with the personnel they've got at the moment, with the injuries they've got at the moment. I think it's I think it's a smart move to go for this this slightly different style. And Sonogo, obviously, all the headlines were about his penalty miss, but he was quite crucial in in getting this new style sort of up and running and making it more effective than than it was against Birmingham. 
we said after the Birmingham game that it felt like they were waiting for Sonogo to come into the team and they were almost practicing for when he was able to start and as soon as he was med- medically cleared he'd be in and he'd be vital in getting things turning over and it's not to say he's reinvented the wheel or anything like that but he offers a different dimension to them doesn't he yeah he does I was I was impressed the way he um see with him him and Campbell there you've got two very sort of combative forwards but they both choose to battle against their defenders in different ways Campbell's trying to turn them and trying to back into them constantly whereas Sonogo basically just wants them to bounce off him um you know he's he's just willing to sort of absorb any challenge he gets and it does give them another dimension and I think that he needs to get a goal fairly quickly because I don't want that penalty miss to become something that sort of haunts him you know if he hasn't scored after three games so I hope he gets on the score sheet fairly quickly but having that two up front just makes Towns so much more dangerous even with a far more people have used the word pragmatic which is is the sort of vogue word of saying defensive even with a more defensive approach town can be far more attacking and look far more dangerous with two up there because the alternative is you've got Fraser Campbell battling for the ball and everybody else just trying to get close to him and and struggling so yeah I I thought it is encouraging and it's definitely that's definitely the way forward for me but I I think being defensive and, and grinding your way to safety is is it's not a bad strategy at this point because it would be an absolute disaster for town to get relegated on lots of levels. Um, I, I saw some people sort of saying, oh, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world and get the winning feeling back and all that sort of thing. But the problem is that League One is... is I've talked about the Championship being a, a bear pit. League One can be a quagmire. You can get in there and you just get stuck. And yeah. it's how many not time, a case How many of, teams do you see that happen to? You know, Sheffield yeah, United it, took years to get out of there. This So it, it is vital that town stay out of that. And the thing about pragmatic football as well is... The game I always go back to with the Cowboys, Steve, is the Preston game last year, the nil-nil after lockdown. And the thing about that game was Town had to get something from it and they were up against a team who had absolutely picked them apart. And when you were in ground, it was it was, was not a great game by any shakes. But I think if you'd have had a crowd there, you would have had much more of a sense of the... I mean, it was quite a Herculean effort. You know, it was a real... That was a real point they were sort of massively celebrating at the end. And I think because everybody watched that on TV, they just went, oh, it was an awful game, hated it. Whereas, as I said, I think if there'd have been a crowd there and a lot more people in ground, they would have sort of actually appreciated the amount of effort that went into to getting that point. And the thing is that it, it may not be pretty to watch for a few games towards the end of the season, but Town just need to get over the line a few times. It's not the championship isn't very good this year. They don't need to get fifty odd points to survive. Um, you know, we have we have our own opinions on what's probably going to do it this year. And yeah, I think you just have to do what you have to do to stay in stay in this league. Because as I said, relegation would just be a, it'd be a disaster. I think. Yeah, and I th- 
yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think the new approach should help them grind out some of those points. And, and I think we've not seen Town really grind out many points this season. You know, they've either been brilliant and they've deserved to win or they've been dreadful and they've deserved to lose. And I think there's probably the... And the, the, the draws they've had have largely been somewhere in between where it's either like this one where they, they should have won it and it's annoying that they didn't or they were lucky to, to get their point. I think... I think though that that's probably an oversimplistic reading of the game as you say because I think it was a huge effort I think it was such a hard-earned point Cardiff are such a good team they're on an incredible role at the moment I think you just can't ignore that context and to get a point here was fantastic and you know I think there's been one or two other draws that have been like that that that, that Coventry game sort of stands out I think what is uh, maybe most encouraging is just the quality of chances they did create. The fact that we're talking yeah. about three clear-cut chances. You know, they mm. only had nine shots in the whole game, which isn't a huge number for town this season. But the ones they did create were generally, you know, a third of them were good chances that they, they probably should have put away. And it sort of shows that you don't need to be constantly on top, constantly creating pressure. You know, not to say that town were, you know, sitting there with 30% possession or anything, because they weren't. They did dominate the game. Um, you know they had 58% possession which is up towards the sort of the number they've been having generally this season but they were battling and they were playing those long balls and they were creating those knockdowns creating those overlaps I thought Bakuna had a really good first half and dropped off second half. I thought maybe the other way around for Lewis O'Brien, who uh, I didn't really notice too much in the first half, but I thought had a brilliant second half. Um, and Aaron Rowe as well, playing on the right, I think had a, an encouraging display. But you mentioned Vallejo earlier. He he was a player, I think, if I'd had to... He was the last rating I filled in, put it that way. But I know that you were one of the, the fans who was impressed by him again. Yeah, I, I just think he's fairly... He's a fairly metronomic player and you need a bit of that in that position he's he's a very different six from hog but what vallejo does is he's just he's incredibly tidy he plays forward passes at the right time and he sort of the best way i can describe him is he 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 understands his role is to be a platform so he's not interested in the stuff that hog does which the stuff that hog does brilliantly well but it is is getting in the fights is is the last ditch tackles is getting in the the young lad's face who he's marking you know that's that's all the stuff we everybody loves hoggy for vallejo is very different and he is he just provides a bit more forward ambition if i'm if i'm brutally honest Mm -hmm. there are lots of things that he can't do but the things that he can do he can do really really well so yes he does lack a bit of pace yes he's not sort of elbows out and he doesn't work on his shoulders so he can barge people off the ball left right and center but he just provides a sort of fluidity between the the defense and midfield and particularly with balls out wide that I don't think anybody else in that squad is doing at the moment and if you are going to be more defensive if if this is how you're going to be you want a player who can actually play the ball over 30 40 even 50 yards with a degree of accuracy in that position because if you're going to if you're going to play defensive and going to play slightly deep you want somebody who can very very quickly turn that counter and yeah i i think he's i as i said i don't think he's in the the top 10 15 or maybe even 20 midfielders in this league but yet for Huddersfield Town at the moment he is just sort of the perfect player in that 
place for them. And I don't know if he gets another year or not. I've no idea. We we don't know what summer ambitions are and what lays ahead. But at the moment, he feels <laughs> he feels pretty undroppable to me, if I'm honest. Yeah. Well, this is this is the weird sort of paradox with him. I wrote a piece about this on Sunday morning. Is I would agree pretty much with everything you said. He is the perfect player for this system. You know that I'm looking at the numbers now. Three quarters of the passes they made against Cardiff went forward. I would be stunned yeah. if if Town had had reached anything like that number uh, in yeah. in, a, in a previous game this season. And he's the he is out of anyone in that squad the man you want playing those forward balls. And yet I can't really make an argument that Hogg shouldn't come back in and play at number six as soon mm. as he's fit and able to do it. And that makes it very difficult to to think where Vallejo's place might be because you could put him in the back three, but we know he's not brilliant defensively and you've got loads of defenders now fit and available. I think Romani Edmonds-Green is, is great for that right side of, of the back three. I think that is almost an ideal role for him. I think Nabi Saab was excellent again um, on on Friday night and Richard Keogh sort of matched him as well in, in terms of performance. I gave them both 8 out of 10 uh, in my player ratings for that game. Richard Stearman we know is you know is such an important voice and, and an experienced figure for that back three. So it's hard to really argue particularly against sort of difficult opposition that Vallejo should be in the back three. I think maybe that's where I can most see a place for him is maybe in the back three against a, a weaker side. But then you could, we, we, you and I have both talked about we like him at number eight, but then you've got a load of number eights. You know, Dwayne Holmes didn't get a start at, at, on, at, you know, on, on Friday night mm. because Bakuna and O'Brien were playing in the middle. And I think that if you are playing this 3-5-2 or you're playing Sonogo and you're looking for you know players to get on the end of his knockdowns, whatever formation you're playing, Vallejo's probably not the player you want running onto them. You want someone more energetic like Bakuna and O'Brien so they can get there in the first place. And also, to, you know, to they're the players you want around the edge of the box rather than Vallejo, who you probably want a bit further back. So, to me, it's difficult to see where he fits in when Hogg is, is back fit, which is a bit of a shame. Yeah, I I think there are there are formations which I mean we talked about potentially a four two three one, but I think Town need to play with two up top for the foreseeable future. It it, it is difficult, but I think there there is so much benefit to play, playing him at the moment that you can't. It, it is difficult because you can't not pick a fully fit Jonathan Hogg for Huddersfield Town. You can't do it, but I. I don't know if he's got the speed to play as a as a natural central midfielder next to sort of O'Brien and Baku or or Bakuna. Because as I said, there are things he he can't do. There are there are areas of his game which he just are are lacking. But yeah, it's it's a difficult one. It's you wonder that <laughs> weirdly you look back to sort of Cowley's Huddersfield Town and you think that four two three one with Hogg one side and Vallejo next to him would really have worked. Really, really have worked. Mm. And you could have had I mean you'd have had ESR and, and Brown as potentially as your two tens sort of uh, flittering between them and yeah I think that could have really worked but he's just he's just a really sort of metronomic presence of of a 7 out of 10 quality and that's not something Huddersfield Town have got a lot of because a lot with a lot of town players Pippa, Berkuna, Saar, um, you know, at the, Fraser Campbell even, it's all a bit boom and bust. They're either really, really good or they're, they're bad. They're actively mm. bad. So 
to just have a player who just sets a sort of average and stays there throughout is a is a really handy thing to have really um but the three at the back i think is quite interesting steve because I think you're right about Edmund Green, but I think even as his, his, his biggest fan, I think you noticed really in that game that you got Keogh and Zarr. Edmund Green was the one who did get bullied a little bit. And you do realise, yeah, okay, he is a young defender here and he does need to, to just have the confidence to sort of bully them bully them back a bit. But you do wonder if that might be where Vallejo can come in and just, just help out for a couple of games, like you say, possibly against slightly weaker sides or whether only expecting yeah. a one up top, just to... <sighs> Just to help out more than anything, so that Edmund Green doesn't have to play week in, week out, week in, week out, like yeah. has has happened with other members of this squad, you know? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think you sort of earlier this season when he'd played a midfielder in the back three, he'd Carlos Corbran had generally put them in the middle of the back three. I think we saw recently he he moved away from that and started playing them on the right. So Vallejo had a game there, and I think Hulk had a game there, um, playing on the right of the back three rather than in the middle. So I think that's, yeah, I think that's an interesting possibility and I think probably in a similar way Stearman and and Keo are probably quite interchangeable as your central member of that back three if they are going to stay with a back three um would you stick with the back three as a default I know that you you had certain views on it last week where you were a bit unconvinced but has this helped sort of sway you or do you think it's still a case of being adaptable to on a game-by-game basis I think you have to be adaptable I think you have to be flexible that I think that's that's been my big issue with Corbyn throughout the whole season so if we are now getting that it would be foolish to to not appreciate that but the the realities of these you you've just you've just got two draws you've conceded one goal in two games with a three at the back town have conceded 51 goals this season and the only team who have conceded over 50 with them are Wickham you, you can't you've got to do something to arrest that and if this three at the back is working for the minute then just keep it yeah don't change the thing because the thing that was killing town more than anything else was just the the just kept conceding kept conceding and it was one of the big things we said at the start of the season Steve was they need to draw a few games because it was win or lose and no in between so defenses get you draws and yeah just just keep what is working for the minute I think the last thing anybody needs is is to try something else at this point if they lose badly at the weekend at QPR, I don't think they will, to be fair. But if they did lose badly at the weekend at QPR, then you need to look and assess and work out why you've lost it. And is it down to the three at the back? And if it is, then you have to look at adjusting it. But if they manage to get anything out of that game and, and grind through it, then just keep it. Just If it works, just keep it. Quite agree. Um, we mentioned before we came on Mike as well, and you, you mentioned Vallejo and, and the plans for the summer. The, this sort of change of approach does make it a bit interesting looking at town between now and the end of the season and obviously we've got a relegation fight we can't get away from that they need to get themselves safe before we worry too much about this so you know safety first get the points grind out get get to where you need to get but assuming that they are able to get themselves safe what what do you think it looks like between the end of, from there to the end of the season and also planning ahead for next season do, do you take the lesson that that this style is not working and they need to be a bit more pragmatic do you go and say no we, we're going to get players that, that are able to play that that way because we know it can be successful in this division what, what do you think is the right approach I I, I think it it depends on where we are with Corbyn because 
if we get to the end of the season and he has learnt to adapt a, li- a lot more in game, then I think you have to set your squad up with options to do that. Um, I think he would admit himself he's been guilty of trying the same thing and expecting it to work even though it hasn't worked before. And part of that is, I think, the recruitment of where he saw certain players and what he saw their roles as. But you look at someone like Dwayne Holmes who's come in and he's played as a second striker, he's played as a 10, he's played as a winger, he's played as a central midfielder, midfielder already and I think you have to you have to have a squad that I think can adapt to to whatever it's is thrown at it really I think the problem is with town I think there are it's going to lead to some very specific questions so if they get to the end of the season and the three at the back has worked they need to keep that going forward but they've also got to recruit correctly for it because Stearman's contract's up, Elphick's contract's up, Keogh's contract's up. So that leaves them with Critchlow, Edmonds Green and Saar. Really, if you're going to play a three at the back, then you really need to have five options there. Mm. A sort of young lad and then four that are relatively interchangeable. So do you give Stearman another year? Do you go out and recruit someone else? It's This is the thing. There's going to be lots of quite highly specific questions. Do you Is Vallejo your deputy for Hogg and you're happy for that so you, you want to try and get him for another 12 months? Do you have to look at that midfield mix? Because I'm still not convinced you need Makuna is a central midfielder Steve I'm not convinced he's a winger I'm not convinced he's a 10 I don't this is the problem with Bakuna is that I, I I'm genuinely not sure what his best position is so yeah it it's there's going to be a lot of specific questions there's a lot of contracts up at the end of the season there you look at Sonogo and if he if he scores four or five goals and plays really, really well. Do you look to pin him down immediately for at least another year? Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's difficult. The one thing I would say is that I think that I think that st- we know they've got to recruit for the squad one one way or another. But in terms of expectations, I don't think it's going to be proven championship players all over the pitch. I I just don't think that's going to happen. So I think the recruitment is got to be not horses for courses, but I think they're gonna they're gonna be looking at players who are adaptable, like a Holmes, who can fulfil three or four different roles in the squad if required. And I don't think you're going to see sort of thousands and millions spent on on players. I think it's it's going to be another funny market. We've already spoke about January and how little action there was. And I know that we there is light at the end of the tunnel and crowds coming back in, but it, it's still going to be a very, very difficult summer. And I think it's town, like many clubs in that division, are going to have to play the transfer market very well. And they're going to have to have their priorities and the questions they want answered all lined up really you know before kickoff on the last day of the season certainly yeah i i think this coming summer market is going to be odd because we've got a lot more players out of contract i think than even we had last summer because obviously clubs are being more careful with the renewals but then that the wages are going to come down it's going to take the players a bit of time to adjust to that even further like they have the last couple of windows it feels a lot like i think this is going to be a busy summer for a lot of clubs and town will be sort of top of that list when you look at the number of players they've got out of contract themselves um but i think you're right that it's going to be them there might be a few who get 
done late in the window again, annoyingly, even mm. if they're free agents, because everyone's going to be hold every player and every agent is going to be holding out for the best money they can possibly get. I think that I think that what they probably need, and I think maybe what the last few games have shown one way or the other, is they probably need a bit more variety in the squad, and they they there is nothing wrong with having players who are very good at certain things. Um, you know, I think they've got a lot of players who are fairly good at a bit of everything, and probably need a few more who are specialists. specialists. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think there's nothing wrong with having a Sonogo who is, you know, there to play a specific role. I think there's nothing wrong with having a Vallejo who is there to play a specific role. Even if you can see the weaknesses in their game, I think they've got a good foundation of or at least you know without going through and picking through the players that are going to leave it seems like at the moment they have a lot of players who are good at a lot of a lot of different things but you would struggle to sort of pick out oh they're especially good at this or they're especially good at that um and of course there's there's a possibility of losing players as well you know we know that Lewis O'Brien is going to be very heavily in demand this summer for instance um from from the Premier League so yeah i mean we are very much putting the cart before the horse here as i say because they need to get safe first but i just thought it was you raised it dave before we we came on air and i thought it was a, an interesting point yeah i think one of the big issues for town one of the sort of scary parts of it is they've got to recruit both for the first team and the squad and what I mean by that is that there'll there'll be clubs out there who are got a fairly settled first 11 but what they really need is just more bodies through the door to to help them squad wise and give them some cover and some support whereas with town I think they're probably going to lose some of the first team so they need some players who come in and instantly go in as first team players and they need some bodies because I think there's decisions to be made on some of the support players because at the moment you're running with Jaden Brown as nominally your sort of cover on the left side but here's Aaron Rowe who I know he's playing on the right at the moment but can cover both sides do you let Brown go or do you look to loan him you've got Dehaney who is not I think it would be fair to say is not particularly kicked on and obviously Pippa is proving to be a bit like Toff has been for a year and a bit in fairly indestructible at the moment so don't look like there's many chances there so there's just there's just a lot of questions and it, it's when the contracts are up on the first, Town are really going to have to look at what their squad looks like then, um, because there is the chance that they want to keep a, a, I don't know, an Alex Vallejo and offer him another twelve months, and he says no, because <laughs> he can get yeah. a better offer somewhere else. So it's not, it it's it's not easy really, and they're going to potentially lose somebody like an Mbenza who has been a, a big part of the good times this season I think it would be fair to say so you can't just replace him easily yeah there are there are a lot of questions but that you would hope that the recruitment department is working on all these things now and you would hope that Corbin has an idea of the questions he want them to answer to some extent but yeah it's it's going to be a difficult summer and I think that there's going to have to be a little bit of patience but I think town also needs to be aware that they can't they can't start slowly next season if regardless of what happens this season I don't think there's going to be a massive rally in the last 11 games and they're going to finish you know like massively on an upward trajectory and everybody's really excited so what is important is they need to start properly next season and need yeah. to get going. Um, so although you think there'll be some deals done late, and I do too, to be perfectly honest with you, they they need to get they need to have a, a the first eleven sorted, I think, by the first day of the season as a minimum, and then be working on the squad. But 
I do think it is going to be a weird market, isn't it? I do you think there'll be do you think the loan market might return to something like this summer? I think so, just because the ne- next season's not going to be as compressed, is it? Um, you know, the reason that that it was so compressed this year was because the the last season finished late, and then they only had a six week window in the summer. I think if the fixture calendar looks a bit more normal next season, that that's why we've seen Premier League clubs stockpiling players is because half the clubs in the Premier League have had a, an injury list to sort of rival towns at some point or other this season and they've had to as you said you know you've pointed at that Villa game that FA Cup game they had where they suddenly had to play all the under 18s and everyone is worried that they're going to end up in a similar position um, so people have been you know clubs have been holding on to their their best youngsters I think if they're, they're on a I think if they're on a normal fixture calendar for next season though then then yeah I think it will go back a bit more towards normal um yeah i'd i'd hope so because i think that the loan system is what the the championship has really missed and i think there's issues with the loan system overall but i think it has become over the last few years a really good proving ground for for players who are nearly premier league ready so it's provided sort of platforms for the likes of harry wilson and uh, mason mount and uh, various yeah um i mean how many did Derby have who went on and played it for Chelsea under <laughs> yeah, Lampard? Tomori, Tomori. Was he? Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was there. And I think it's been that's where a lot of the squads have been short this year. And I think because the squads have been a little bit short, that's why the quality in the Championship is 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 not great. I mean. <sighs> I'm not quite as down on it as some people, but I don't think it's a good league this no, year. It's a poor division by, this year. by any stretch, and I think any league where you, I think there's a very serious chance that 40 points might end up being enough. <laughs> Certainly, if you get to the world of 44, 45, I yeah, think that'll I, be. I think 45, absolutely home and hosed. I think 45 is probably going to be the number this year for that. Yeah. I think. I think the. <laughs> Dare I say it before Town are about to play them, but I I, I feel like Wickham and Sheffield Wednesday are, are pretty much done yeah they're now. toast. Um, yeah. So it's one other spot now, and you know I think it helps that we're being a, the sort of slightly cautiously positive tone of this podcast is helped by the way results went this weekend. But you made the the comment when we were sort of watching the scores coming on Saturday day that um, you know we don't want to be sitting there on a Saturday watching Soccer Saturday cheering every opposition goal. You know we we shouldn't have to worry about it at this stage um which is a bit of a shame <laughs> yeah yeah it wasn't supposed to be what this season was about it was mm. we were we were told it was going to be exciting football and attacking football and all that sort of thing but it, like town town are 18th with 38 points mm-hmm. and 10 more points would put them 10th and trust me there have been other seasons where that gap has been absolutely massive and there's been lots of sides at the top really bombing on the problem is town can't get themselves into that mid-table group who are sort of all on 43 to 47 48 points they've always been they've ended up dropping into this this little group at the bottom this little mini league at the bottom but I think it's important to remember that they have got the points on the board you know if Sheffield Wednesday beat them 
Sheffield Wednesday still need a three-game swing just to get out of the relegation zone. And I mean, if you were worried about town, it would be a four-game swing to get above town. So they'd have to win four games and town lose four games. Mm. I just I just don't think town will actually be in, you know, he said touching wood and knowing this could blow up in his face. I don't think when push comes to shove, town are actually going to be in that much trouble because I, I think the sides around them will lose plenty as well. Um, but yeah, it is a little disappointing that we we're sat here in March and looking at other team scores and not in the right way. Um, but it is what it is, and this season is what it is. It's it's. I think you could never sell it to fans before after losing the Cowleys as we're going to take a full season just to sort of assess the squad and use it as a stepping stone. But that's what it's turned out to be. But if you do that, it. <laughs> it does raise the expectations for next season because yeah. they they have to be higher don't they that's the problem yeah i mean i'm not quite as optimistic as you that 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 town are halfway there yet um i th- i don't know i think there's a, a lot of football to play and and town have got some difficult games coming up not to sort of descend too far into manager speak but i think there are there is a world in which this still goes wrong, you know. The 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 unavoidable fact. I know they've changed the style, so you almost mentally, I have anyway, draw a line under things after that Preston result and sort of just look at where things go from here. Um, but the fact is still that they've scored one goal in their last four games. Um, so that that's not great. But, but I just I I just feel far more than that Wiccan game. I just feel that Preston game was the nadir of the season. I thought that was awful and I I do sometimes think if you hit rock bottom it does they've managed to hit rock bottom in time to bounce a little bit and they have changed the style and I do think Sonogo will add goals going forward or I hope he does anyway yeah even if he's not scoring them himself I think we've seen enough from that Cardiff game to suggest that he's going to bring others into play and and create space I mean I would recommend going and I would I I mean I I would say this but I would recommend going if you're not (laughs) and looking at the five conclusions and again it's not reinventing the wheel it's good basic centre forward play but the role that he plays in dragging defenders here there and everywhere and doing work on the ball as well to help create that 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 penalty uh on Friday Mm -hmm. I think is exactly the kind of thing that Dan want to see out of Sonogo and exactly why they've signed him Speaking of centre forwards, Dave, Town have been linked with a, a a move for Jordan Rhodes this summer. He's going to be a free agent after he leaves Sheffield Wednesday. What do you make to that? Um, well, I think this, I think the recruitment drive to sign players who've been at Town before is slightly odd. <laughs> if I'm honest, I, I believe that's not an intentional policy. But yeah, I mean there have been a lot of them. It does look a bit weird. Yeah. Um, I think there's a function Rose can do. If if you'd have asked me a couple of months ago when you had Corbyn just losing games but only willing to play one way, I would have said Jordan Rhodes is perhaps the most ill-suited forward to that system I could possibly see. But if if we now have got Corbyn Mark II and he's learnt to be a bit adaptable and change how he's approaching games, then yeah, I can actually see how Jordan Rhodes might be a decent option. But he's got to be an option, not a not a guaranteed starter. That's the thing, because, I mean, he, he just doesn't run, Steve. 
<laughs> I'm trying to find a really polite, analytical way of saying he doesn't run, but he doesn't run. And, you know, that that slightly worries me. He has had a rough time and he's been playing in some crap teams, to be honest. So I think you have to factor that in as well. You have to, with any striker, they're only as good as the service they're getting. So I think that's a factor as well. But then again, you look at Town losing potentially Isaac and Benza, I think is the best crosser at the club as things stand at the moment. So that's an issue. I, I think it's a complicated one. I think I could sit here and make a pretty good case that he would be a reasonable signing and I could sit here and make a pretty good case that he'd be an awful signing as well I think it's quite a quite a quite a strange one really but yeah if if you'd have asked me a couple of months ago I would have said no no chance whatsoever but now I think well yeah maybe to be honest what's your take I think on paper it, it doesn't look great I mean the, the number I pulled out was before he turned 26 he'd scored 180 goals and in the five years since he turned 26 he scored 31 goals I, th- I know you've made the caveat to that but he's not missed a lot of time injured so it's not like you know yeah. it's not like he's just been yeah. coming off the bench he has been playing regularly and he's, he's still not been scoring um but I mean, we know that he's a, a clinical finisher. He's got two good feet. Uh, he's decent enough in the air. Um, you know, he's 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 slow. He doesn't run, um, which is not great. But we know that if 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 Town are sort of looking to the reason they got Corbran in was to sort of try and replicate a bit of what Leeds were doing, even if they're not doing it exactly the same way that Marcelo Bielsa would have done it. They're they're looking to replicate a bit of that style, and they did have in Bamford initially and Bamford has moved on from this now he's a better player than this I think we've seen in the Premier League because you don't score that many goals in the Premier League unless you're quite a complete forward but I think when Bielsa took over you would have pegged Bamford to say just puts the ball in the net type striker and what Leeds did was they basically set themselves up to just get out wide well and quickly on the counter-attack and then put good crosses into the box and you know it sounds sounds simple and that that makes it sound like they're Watford in 1985 under Graham Taylor um mm. and it's it's not what I mean um you know that they're playing it on the floor and it's all about speed and and pressing and um reactiveness but it's about using your wingers and using your fullbacks to get forwards and get to the byline and cut it back across for a tap in and I think to be fair we've we've you know you'd have you'd have put a lot more money on Jordan Rhodes to score that chance that Fraser Campbell missed and the one than, than you would on Fraser Campbell for instance um so I guess there's if they're looking at it like that then then I can sort of I could see the sense in it but you're then you're you're then putting a lot of pressure on yourselves to get those signings right because he I think he's either going to do absolutely if he were to sign he'd either do absolutely nothing because he'd get rubbish service and he'd be he's, he offers absolutely nothing without service or he could be good but that relies on them getting the right players around him to play to him um yeah. or it could go the third way which is just they're using him as an option from the bench for the last half hour of games when they're you know 2-0 down and just want a goal so it depends what they have planned for him really and what they what they have planned for the approach and I thought that was also part of the reason we wanted to sort of touch on that earlier yeah I think the only thing is that with the impact sub thing is I it'd be easy to turn around and say do you know what that's probably his role is to sit on the bench and in games where you do need to change the approach and do something different and you do need a more of a poacher type presence up there that's that's where he comes into his own but Jordan Rose has made a lot of 
money in his career and he's been on a, a lot of high wages and he i've no idea if there's anything in the town link or not no idea whatsoever but i believe they're he, interested I, yeah. I, yeah i don't think he will come particularly cheap compared to some i'm not saying he will earn fortunes and he'll probably be on the lowest wage he's been on since the last time he was at town to be fair but i still think he probably might end up being a very expensive option off the bench um so i suspect if they're interested they they've got a little more they certainly going to need a little more from him than that Mm. so i don't know we'll we'll see we'll see i it's probably worth asking the question in after another two games because we we don't know if we don't like one swallow doesn't make a summer town have changed to a more defensive approach last couple of games they've got two draws but Cobram might change it back you know this it may have just been for those two specific games that's what he wanted he may change it back we don't know we don't know so I think I think ask the question again and then mm. <laughs> we'll we'll see where we are then but it's it's a it's a slightly odd one and the other thing is do, do you think that's the that gets the fans fizzy <laughs> I think, well, we did a poll on the website and I think it was about a quarter of the fans said, would say, yes, it gets them fizzy, that they'd love to have him back. Um, Another quarter or thereabouts would be willing to give him a go. And I think the other half of the fans are like, no, (laughs) Um, you know, he's he's passed it at this point, basically. Because I I honestly didn't know if that was the signing that was going to, you know, I I didn't know if there was a section of the crowd, certainly, that were going to be quite excited by that one or not. I I don't know, because it's a bit, the only thing I can equate it to, and obviously it's nothing like this, and I'm not comparing it in football terms at all, but obviously Town signed Bobby Zamora again, uh, Town, Brighton signed Bobby Zamora more again and everybody was just I mean it didn't matter whether he played or not everybody just wanted him at the club mm. now I know Rhodes didn't have that that same level of sort of adoration that Zamora had at Brighton but I just didn't know I, I'm quite surprised it's as low as that if I'm honest Steve I thought more people might be a bit more excited about it weirdly I went the other way I thought more people would be uh would be down on it so there we go mm. I mean interesting yeah it is it's we'll see how it goes i think he could he could very easily um come in and you know he scores on his debut and suddenly everyone is smiling and feeling good about yeah. things again that's the thing yeah so. i i completely agree that's if if he comes and he gets 12 goals next season then everybody's happy and it's been a big success isn't it yeah exactly robbie fowler going back to liverpool is similar to this yeah. by the way so and he just he came up i think he scored like three penalties or something and everyone was like good on you <laughs> so yeah 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 magic right i think that's it unless we've got anything else to go through dave no that's it grand we'll see you next time then have a good week terriers fans we'll be back with you next week goodbye see you there.